Good evening. All good? Do you remember that I have a strange accent? I'm still French, I'm sorry about that. I still need to learn French anyway, so... I'm very happy to be with you tonight. I'm very happy because I would like to cover a letter with you. Now, I have just two evenings, so I needed to pick up and choose in this letter. But I don't know for you, as Christian, but it's a privilege to share the gospel. I don't know if you agree with that, but it's a real privilege, as Christian, to share the gospel to people. And often, even in the circle of Christians, we have this question. What is a Christian? Could, could you give me a definition of a Christian? What should I do to be a Christian? Well, there's a lot of you know, scripture passages talking about that, giving hints, clues about what is a Christian. But one letter in particular is very helpful in, for my life, and I think for the rest of the Christian people. So, let's just play again. Do you know what letter I'm talking about? And Graham, you cannot play. It's not Peter. It's not Paul. It's not James. It's John. If you go and read for yourself, if you have any question about what is a true follower of Christ, you go and read again the first letter of John. And you will find answers. And you will find everything you need to understand what is a true follower in this quite specific uh, letter, specific by the context. The church is experiencing a lot of troubles, of problems, and we will come back to that letter in the, in the letter. But you can find in here, in this text, this letter, a lot about light, a lot about sin, a lot about forgiveness. And I'm not giving the name just randomly, there is an order here. A lot about eternal life, a lot about hope, the, the Spirit of God. There's all this teaching in the letter. And because I believe yeah, you are a strong church, very well taught, uh, I'm just start with the chapter 3. Because the chapter 3 is a complicated one. Okay, the statements in the chapter 3, maybe we will struggle with them. But all this section, all this letter represents what we are. Or should I say, who we are. We are Christians. And as Christians, this chapter is saying to us, Christians must not make a practice of singing. We can't. We are called to not sin. The text is very, very clear. Now, that's the text, the text and a strong statement. But I know my heart. I know my life. And I don't know for you, but I know I'm still sinning. So I have a problem with John, or I have a problem in my life, I don't know. But we need to understand what is he talking about here. And I'm going to try not to give you an answer, because I believe it's complicated. But I'm going to try to give you a lot of clues about what the text itself is saying about this question. Could we sin or not as Christian? It's very important to understand that. Now I come back to the context, okay? Now you know that's going to be a long night. 
three or four hours to go through the text. Only one chapter, could you imagine the letter? And I need to come back to the context, okay? Because I need to clear out a doubt. This letter is clearly for Christians. There is no doubt about that. How do we know that? Because in his letter, and especially in the chapter 3, John is using terms like dear friends, or beloved, or children. And that reminds us of John's purpose to write the letter. And if you know a bit John, and the Gospel of John, you know that the purpose of the Gospel is not at the beginning, but at the end. And in his letter, it's the same. If you go in chapter 5, verse 13, John is claiming, and this is the testimony, the entire letter, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So that's clearly for us. There is no doubt whatsoever, and that's the problem. Because as Christians, we still sin. And he's saying, no, you must not sin. But the text is for us, clearly for us. Verse 1, chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children, children of God. Again, children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not him. It did not know him, sorry. We are set apart, separated and chosen, called to be children of God. We know God and God knows us. Nine times in this chapter, nine times is going to use this dear children, friend, beloved. Depend your translation, obviously. Nine times. And look verse 2. Dear friends, keep going. We are children of God. Keep going is really talking about us. Okay, I think my point is clear. <laughs> I said that a couple of times now. That's for us. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Now, this last verse is maybe my first clue for us. Because you see, I believe that John is not talking about salvation here when he claimed that Christians must not practice sin. I think he's not talking about salvation. Rather, a long word that we love to use you know, in Bible college, sanctification. John is touching the point of your life and my life, day-to-day life, walking with the Lord. That's why he's using this word. All we have this hope in him. Purify themselves. Notice the tense. Purify. That's now. Not in the future. We are doing that. And in this process, we need to be clear up there. No sin. No sin is possible. Why? Because we need to purify ourselves. We need to target sanctification. Being a child of God, being known by God, being like Him, is also a process. How do we know that? Again, look at the text. John is playing with the tense here. And I'm not going in the Greek because I think it's not worthy. But just in English, in verse 2, at the end, 
uh, sorry, at the beginning. What we will be has not yet been made known. So I do believe that this title of children of God is attached to a process. The process of sanctification, of being holy. And that's not, you know, for right now, even if we have that with the cross and the blood of Jesus. But that's something we need, and that's important. If you understand nothing about what I said tonight, keep that with you. The process of sanctification is when we decide to work against sin. I decide to choose not to sin, but to follow Christ. That's going to be again and again said by John. And as you ask the question in your mind, and I'm not, you know, reading your mind, but I guess the question, how on earth can, as Christian, can I just not sin? Because I'm still a sinner, forgiven, yes. But I'm still a sinner, so John, why do you say that? Well, look at the problem attached to this hope described in verse 2. If you look at verse 4 with me, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. General comment, everyone, here specifically, he's not talking about Christian, not Christian, everyone is condemned under law. Under law. But you know, ah, back to Christians, you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. That's the gospel. That's the way sins disappeared. The condemnation of sin disappeared. And in him is no sin. Now, the verse 6 is the problem for every pastor, for every elders, for every Christians. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. You see, this is a difficult text. This is a difficult verse. But I think we have everything we need in the chapter to understand this verse. And here John is quite clear because he's using the present tense. That's right now. If you are a Christian right now, you cannot sin. How is that possible? How does it work? Well, I find someone asking myself the question, and maybe I'm, I'm you know, too French to ask this kind of question to the text, but I wanted an answer. How does it work? How is it possible? Then I came to see Paul in the letter of Romans, chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Because I see these two verses are helping you, helping me to understand what John is saying. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. These two verses are claiming something. We need to choose. Life is a question of choice. It's either, if you're Christian, you choose to follow Christ, or you choose to sin. Again, strong statement. I'm not saying it's easy. Okay? Don't condemn me. It's not, I know it's not easy. I'm the proof that it's not easy. I know my heart. But Paul is saying, we need to put our mind to plug our mind on what the Spirit desires. 
rather than what the flesh desire. Because doing so, we will gain life and peace. Life and peace. And we know as Christians that he is talking about eternal life and eternal peace with our gods. So John is talking about that and he's putting his name, hope. And our hope is built on the firm assurance, assurance sorry, of our salvation and the hope to be in God's presence in our new life, the new us. Our hope produces this amazing peace that Paul is talking about. Our hope produces fruit as well. You know that, and I know that. Doing good. It is living in order to praise God in any situation. Doing good. Choosing to do good. It's reacting in the same way Jesus would react. Doing good means being a faithful servant, a representative of God's kingdom on earth. It's accepting that Jesus is the leader of our life. Doing good is not accepting to sin. And again, quite easy to say. Not that much easy to read, but not easy to live, for sure. Well, maybe, I don't know you, maybe you're perfect, but I, I know for me it's quite difficult. And John is continuing, and he's developing, okay? That's the strong t- statement. Now you need maybe to digest that a bit, as I did. But now we go in the letter. Verse 7. Dear children, again, that's for us. Do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous. Just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You see, there is two worlds. There is the one who is righteous and the one who is not. There is the one who is not sinning and the one who is clearly sinning. And here, what is interesting is for once, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about others. Look at verse 7. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. I'm sure parents here in the room will remember everything your parents, or if you have children, everything you say to your children about bad influences. But that seems to be the, the case here. Be careful about bad influences, who seems to open the door to sin in our life. Because bad influences in your life will produce bad deeds in your life. Because you will copy these people. And you remember with me the text. This is our responsibility to choose to stop the influence. You see, nothing in text is saying, oh, they are bad people and they're trying to take you away from the message, from the truth. No, John is saying, you are in charge to stop this influence. I come back to my first point. It's always a question of choice. It's always a question of choice. We need to keep the cap, to fight the good fight, says Paul. Run the good race. Why? Because we are not anymore under the yoke of our old nature. And that's the key point here. 
sinful nature, we are now born of God. Guess what? If you go in verse 9, John is saying that. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go in singing because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love their brothers and sisters. I put it in a pure here because I think it's relevant. And I think James here can help again. What James is saying to us. Do you remember this almost by heart verse you have in your head about James? James 2.18 Show me your faith without your deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. I won't just talk about my faith in Jesus, James is saying. You will see my faith through my actions, through my lives. There is a question here again. If you choose to do good, if you refuse to sin, people are going to see your faith. That's exactly what James is saying. The gospel should be practical. The gospel impacts our choices, our lifestyle. And as Christians, we need to learn that. It's not easy. It's not easy because your old nature, my old nature, wants to sin. We were born like that. Sinners. But we need to fight against that. How do we do that? Well, we're going to see that. But it's a question of choice. And if you noticed, the last verse we read together, verse 10, John finished again talking about the difference with being righteous and being not righteous by mentioning something very important for tonight. Love. But you see, what is interesting here is not talking about the love of God as he started with. He's talking about the love toward others. Because Jesus is asking us, you love God first and you love others. There is no bigger commandment than that. And I believe that John is saying to us, if you use these two commandments, you will protect yourself from sin. If you love God first, and I think we need to understand what, the, what that means. Because sometimes we just... We read the sentence, love, love God first. But we don't let this affirmation, statements work in our life. We're still choosing by ourselves. We're still deciding what car we're going to buy. What house we're going to buy. We're still, you know, doing our meals. Tonight you're going to have your dinner. Not asking God. You do your dinner. It's a practical demand, I know. But what does that mean to put God at the first place? First place means at the first. Everything you do, everything you think, it's about God being first. And then me. Well, no. <laughs> That's the problem. Then the other. And if you put this mindset here, plus the mindset on the spirit, 
you will protect yourself from sinning. That was journey saying. Again, it's a question of choice. And if you don't believe me, you just need to keep reading the chapter. Because from the verse 11 until the end, John is going to focus his teaching on love. As love will be the answer. How Christian cannot sin when love. And even at the end, is moving from love to heart. So, if you look, just scan the text with me. Verse 11, we should love one another. Verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Verse 16, this is how we know that what love is, Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. 17, at the end, how can the love of God be in that person? 18, dear children, let us not love with word or speech. 19, uh, 20, sorry, if your hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. 21, dear friends, if your hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. 23, and this is command, sorry, this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. 24, and this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. We are sure about that. And the answer of our question of the beginning, how do we do that? How does it work? What John is saying, love and heart. Well, we need to unpack that. First, I'm going to talk about heart, because I think that's the simplest way to do it. Verse 19, 20, and 21, John is presenting to you and me three kinds of hearts. The first one is a, is a confirming heart, certainty in our faith. The second one is a deceitful, deceitful heart, often, who, which often condemns us. And then 21, it's a confident heart. We are confident in our heart, in our God, sorry. These three hearts of a Christian present the roots of being a Christian, having a relationship with God. Ha ha, that's the key. That's why he's talking about heart and love. That's how we will stop sinning, having a relationship with God. Now you may think that I'm just crazy, because you know that. You know that we have a relationship with God. Yes, but how strong do we work on that? Remember, it's a process. Our hope is a process. Not salvation, sanctification. It's a process. We are working every single day with God. How do we fight sin? How do we choose to not sin? Because our heart is confident in the relationship we have with God. Do you believe that? You obviously can answer the question if you want. I believe that our heart is designed to be in relationship with our holy God. Especially because of the cross and what Jesus did at the cross. We were designed to be in relationship with God. Perfect relationship with God. Therefore, sin cannot be part of this new nature. 
And I know what I'm saying here tonight is not... Well, not interesting, maybe. But it's not um, popular in churches. Because I and all the churches I know, we are quite good to emphasize the cross and the grace of the cross, saying, oh, Jesus paid it all. Yes, it's true. I'm 100% with you. And I believe that very strongly. He did that once and for everybody who accepts His sacrifice. But sin is still something attached to us. Therefore, we need to think about Him. It, sorry. We need to think about how we are going to live every single day. You know, everything I'm saying here, what I'm saying, John is saying here, it reminds me of the teaching of Paul. I said that already, but now maybe it's more real. It's a race. Perseverance is one of our, you know, favorite words. We need to keep going. And your color, the color of your hair, is telling me that tonight. You are keeping going to serve and love God, because you know life. Life is not easy. You know that you need to keep walking, and that's hard. Why? Because sin is still around. Sin is still around, and we need to choose. We need to choose. Please understand that with me. We need to choose. And John help us again. He's giving us a condition. A condition. If you want to have a confident heart about our relationship with God, you will have this confidence only, only if you keep His commands and do what pleases Him. Verse 22. And it's quite specific again. I love this just section of John's letter because it's specific two principles which resume, summarize the commands of God. You believe in the name of Jesus and you love one another. That's the way to have a confident relationship with God. But I'm going to unpack, uh, unpack a bit because when you and I will read believe, sometimes we have this easiest way to just, oh yes, that's what I think. It's my belief. It's you know somewhere here in my mind, my soul. It's okay, I thought about it. I chose that. So yeah, this is my belief. But in the Bible, believing is something a bit more engaging, asking a bit more commitments. Believing in the Bible is obedience. Believing in the Bible is about convictions. Believing in the Bible is about seeing something beyond understanding and yet accessible. That's the meaning of being. It's very practical in fact. And John is specific here for purpose. Believing in the name of Jesus. Because you see, there's a lot of false doctrine going on at the time. And Jesus, well, they remember Jesus, but they were not quite sure if he was the Son of God and all these kind of heresies. But for us, what is helping here is, we don't believe in something. Okay? How are you going to fight against sin? 
Because you believe in something? No. Because you believe in another religion? No. Or another philosophical way of living that will help you to fight against sin? No. We believe in a person. We believe in Jesus Christ, the risen King. We sang the song. He's the King, the King of Kings. But He's real. He's in your life, He's in my life, for real. And because we believe in Him, a person, we will be able to fight and to answer the choice with the good answer, choosing to do good. And again, John is affirming his teaching about love. How do you do that? Well, love the other. Love one another. Use this command. It's a key factor to fight against sin. And remember what I said earlier. I said that this love and heart mixed together is showing the relationship we have with God. And this relationship, again, is going to help us to fight against sin. And John is describing this relationship. I come back to the verse 21, 22, 23 again. What he's saying is, first, living by God's command is living a real relationship. It's not fake. It's real. It's tangible. You can grasp it. That's the way to fight sin. Because your faith is real. Real to the point to, from here, going to your heart and going to your hands. Practical. Influencing your life to the point that you can say no to sin. That's real. A real relationship. But it's also a spiritual relationship. In this text... John is keeping saying, and if you go back in John 14, I said there is a lot of links. If you go back in John 14, you will understand that better. It's a spiritual relationship because God lives in us. And we are living in God. That's how close is our relationship. And the problem is, and that's the back of our question tonight, God is holy. If God is holy, how on earth could you sin? How on earth can I sin? Because the Holy God who created everything is living in me. So this is not possible. And that's exactly what John is saying. If you're a Christian born of God, you cannot sin. Now, I can go on again and again and again on that. But I just want to say something. I want to give you an example. Jesus. Jesus never sinned. Sin never entered in Jesus' life. It was perfect, holy. So maybe it was easier for him. I leave the question with you. But Jesus never sinned. However, he was tempted. And that's the difference we need to understand. We will be tempted. And that's not a problem. The problem is not temptation. The problem is, how are we going to answer that? What will be our choice then? To sin or not sin? It's just a question of choice. A difficult one, because it's difficult. 
I know that. I said to you, I know my heart. You don't need to convince me. I really know my heart. But I want you to go away tonight thinking about sin in your life. Thinking about this is a choice. And again, I'm not talking about salvation. If you're a believer tonight, Amen. Hallelujah. You're saved. Not because of yourself, not because of what you've done, but because of the cross. I'm talking about sanctification. I'm talking about our walk with the God. There's an entire section here at the end of the text about the Spirit. And uh, I resumed that saying that God is living in us and we are living in God. But if you go back from now on, if you go back in chapter 14, and I'm pleased that we, we sang the song, He's preparing a place for us. Do you know this chapter 14? How the chapter 14 of the Gospel of John is so amazing. In this fight, what is saying God in the letter of John, we are not alone. We have a gift. Not just eternal life. We have another gift. The gift of the Spirit of God. The gift of the presence of God in our life. Every single day. And you know what the Holy Spirit is doing in us? When we are tempted, He's the one who is coming back to our conscience. He's coming back to our brain. And saying to us, Remember the command of Jesus? Remember the commandments of Jesus? He's the one who is doing that. Remain being a, rem, remembering us? No. Reminding us about the commandments of Jesus. It's His role. Why? Because His name is Holy Spirit. He wants to keep us holy. Because we are holy. Because our God is holy. You see, it's a circle. And I know I'm going in circle since the first sentence of tonight. Because what I'm saying is very simple and very complicated in the same time. Because it's only a choice. You will have doubts, because I have doubts. You will have problems in your life, because that's life. You know that maybe better than me. But you know as I know, every time you were in front of a temptation situation, you had a choice. To just say, ah, just a little sin. Who, who will know that? Nobody. Well, God knows. And He knows not just because He is omnipresent and He knows everything. He knows because He is living in you. Because He wants to have this close and very intimate relationship with us. So my prayer for us tonight. I pray that we will develop a heart guided by God's command. And I'm very hard on that. We will learn, we will develop, we will work hard on that. A heart guided by God's command. The meaning of my sentence here is, we need to learn God's command then. How do we do that? We need to read the Word of God. We need to study the Word of God. Every one of us, we need to meditate the Word of God. We need to. It's not an option. Because doing so, when temptation arises, we can say, No. I'm strong in the name of Jesus. 
Because I believe in a person, not in a religion. And you guess what? It's exactly what Jesus did. You see, the answer of Jesus when he's tempted is not, Excuse me, who are you? I created you. Why are you coming to tempt me? What's your problem? Jesus never played the card of, I'm the Almighty God. What are you doing here? Jesus looked at Satan and he said, Well, you use the Bible, I'm going to use the Bible as well. And every, the three times he's tempted, every time Jesus is answering with the truth of God. Showing us that that's the way to do it. And you see, it's a choice. We need to choose to avoid sinning. And remember, if you are a bit discouraged, I'm sorry about that. That may be my French accent, I don't know. But remember Romans 8. And often when I speak about that, I read the entire chapter of Romans 8. Because Paul knows really well, chapter 7 is about sin. Chapter 7 of Romans is about sin and how sin is complicated in our lives. Paul knows that. But chapter 8, first sentence, we are not anymore condemned. We are more than conquering. Why? Because of Jesus. I'm more than conquering because of Jesus. And I pray that this process in our life, to rebuke sin, to say no to sin, will be surrounded by God's love. And genuinely will produce godly, loving people. People who are able to love one another. Not for your own glory. Not for my glory. But for God's glory. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And love one another. And to conclude, I read you this verse 28. In the same chapter, chapter 3 of the first letter of John. And now, dear children. I think he knew that that was a bit hard. (laughs) Because of these two last verses. He knew it. John was kind of, man, I'm giving them this teaching, but that's going to be hard for them. But look, verse 28, And now, dear children, continue in Him, so that when appears, He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. What an encouragement. I want you, and I very strongly, I don't know how can I say that more than that, but I really want you tonight to go away confident, victorious in the name of Jesus, with this strong idea in your mind. I need to choose. It's only a question of choice. That's how I'm going to say no to sin, because I'm a Christian, born of God. Amen. I'm just going to pray. For next week, is that next next week? Yes. I encourage you to read John, the first letter of John, chapter 5. We're going to play around the chapter 5 again. And if you go tonight and read the chapter 5, you will see that I'm in trouble again because that's a strong, again, strong teaching from John. But I do believe that we need to tackle these chapters as well. So let's pray together. 
Lord, I want to pray tonight, and especially right now, after this teaching, to proclaim in front of all my brothers and sisters that I'm not a good man. I'm a sinner. And yes, this teaching is true. And I'm struggling to look at this teaching and look at my life. And I think I need to be stronger, or not with my own strength. But I need to let you work in me. I need to let your spirit work strongly in me. In the strongest way in me. So I will be able to say no. I do not want, I do not want to sin. I'm choosing not to sin. I want to practice what is good. I want to practice your will. And I pray Lord that you will help us. To understand that, to look again at the text, not trusting me, Lord. I'm praying that every one of us tonight will come back to the text, questioning the text for ourselves, looking at your truth, looking at your words, and asking for conviction in your name, Jesus. Amen.